Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to another episode of the Inspired Table podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. And today I'm chatting with a pretty woke, conscious man. His name is Blake Worrell Thompson. It was such a privilege having him on the show. What an eloquent speaker. You probably know Blake through his success in the fitness and personal training industry. He had um, some great businesses called Six Weeks to Sexy and Six Weeks to Shredded. Um, But in recent months, he's transitioned into personal development coaching. Now, if you've been following Blake through the years that he was in fitness, you wouldn't be surprised by this transition because he's always had the most amazing golden nuggets that he shares through his social accounts and he's um, been weaving personal development into his fitness and training work for a really long time. So this transition isn't a surprise, but now he works with clients to help them break through their barriers um, and has a look at the things that are holding them back from having more success. If you've been listening to my new podcast show, The Middle, with my beautiful co-host Holly as a party, you will probably notice that she name drops Blake's name all the time. Um, (laughs) That's because they're working together. She's um, currently going through one of his coaching programs. And I know from the conversations that I've had with her, and I trust her opinion very highly, that she really values the work that they do together. It was such a thrill to have Blake on the show, to inject some beautiful masculine energy into the podcast. We talk about limiting beliefs um, and how they can block us from reaching our goals. We chat about Blake's experience with um, Vipassana, which is the 10-day silent meditation. I've just found that fascinating. I'm so intrigued by Vipassana. I've always wanted to do it. So it was really great to hear Blake's perspective on it. Um, And we also dive into the transition and what that involved from moving from the fitness industry into personal development and how it was that personal development became Blake's focus. If you enjoy this interview, I would love you to take a screenshot of it on your phone and share it on uh, your Instagram stories. You can tag me at Jordana Levine and tag Blake at Blake Worrell Thompson. Why don't you tell me where you're at at the moment? Because I know you've had such a big shift in the last, what, like 12 months. Um, And it seemed really kind of seamless watching it all unfold online. But maybe you can kind of tell us the reality of that and how your life's done a little bit of a 180 flip. I love the whole seamless approach. Um, it, <laughs> Effortless. <laughs> it has been, oh, God, how good would that be? It has been anything but. But to be, um, and that's kind of the nature of um, the entrepreneur life or the business owner life is that it never goes as smoothly as you hope, um, but it also builds you know a lot of resilience and character in people as they navigate their way through it. But, yeah, for me, you know, after – um, I, I did personal training for 15 years and probably at the 12-year mark, maybe 13 years, so you know the last 18 months to two years, I started to really dry up from a passion point of view with that. Um, and personally, I think I was pretty lucky to you know, find a career in the first place at, at 18 that really I was passionate about and mm. you know, that, that passion maintained for 12 years. So... You know, saw that through for 12 years and then really started to, I guess, you know, being in the personal development space, evolve myself. And as I evolved, um, 
you know, what I wanted and the direction that I wanted to head started to change. So the nature, I think, of a good coach, you know, in the personal training space is that they start to look beyond the four walls of, you know, the gym and a workout and beyond nutrition and the role that that plays. And for me, I was feeling a sense um, that I needed to go beyond that and start to have a bigger impact on people. Mm-hmm. And naturally what started to evolve there was that I wanted to understand human behavior, how we go about things and how to really help people break through everything that's holding them back. So two years ago now, I dived into NLP, um, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and that has been, I guess, the backbone to all the work I've done since. I've done a thing called Spiral, which I know you know a fair bit about and you've got some friends in that space. Mm. Uh, and you know, I'm constantly looking at ways to help support my clients and help them kind of overcome barriers that are holding them back from having more success, whatever that looks like for them. So what is it? Uh, nine months ago now, I um, shut down my business in Sydney, 6W2S, which um, you know was a massive surprise for a lot of people Yeah. Uh, because I literally just shut the doors and didn't try to sell it. I didn't you know try to kind of make anything of it. I just decided that it wasn't serving me anymore and you know to be honest a a number of clients who know me really well and and have become good friends saw the writing on the wall a little bit earlier and and we kind of had a couple of chats of it and then I just bit the bullet shut it down went and did Vipassana um, which is a 10-day meditation and then moved to Melbourne and looked to start kind of rebuilding myself in in a in a you know in a way and kind of changing my direction as well so very brave is the first thing i want to say um i definitely want to talk about vipassana so we will get to that but when you had made the decision to shut down um sw2s is that right six 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 w2s i'm like trying to do the acronym in my head um was that was that something that had been like tugging at you for a little while and you hadn't really kind of consciously made the decision or was it just like, yep, doing it and then it was just a matter of time for how long it took to actually implement that? No, it, was, it would have been a 12-month process and um, I think for a business owner, obviously you are um, in that space, is you, you play a lot of... Um, different scenarios out in your head and for me I have put thousands of hours into the business Mm. and you know at one point we really were kind of um, you know the go-to program in the eastern suburbs of Sydney which you know anyone who knows the east knows it's a really competitive space for all things health and fitness and we were kind of you know up and about and and the, the hot new kind of program and then yeah, I think for 12 months you kind of go, well, you know, I've put all this effort in and it's just going to amount to nothing, you know, if I close the doors and then you've got this pride, this ego, all these stories that you play out in your head. So it was back and forth for a while and then I think once the decision had been made, I felt like a massive lift off my shoulders and yeah. it all kind of just happened a lot easier when I did make that decision. But it was getting to that point it was a sticky bit and as soon as I made the decision there was kind of no turning back yeah and that for me like that's such a sign of being in alignment with what you need to be doing when you feel that sense of lightness and relief when the decision's actually been made and everything starts to flow and shifts and it does become for lack of a better word a little bit more easeful you know absolutely and I personally have really struggled to comprehend how people do a job that they don't like and yeah. you know I, I don't I don't want to kind of be ignorant in, in not alluding to the fact that it is actually quite hard for a lot of people to find their passion mm. and you know I wish it was easy where people could, could just flick the switch and find it but you know I, I did it for a 12 month period there and it really ate at my soul and um you know, a conversation I had with a friend recently, actually Joey, who you know, we were talking about it and one of the reasons I couldn't get away with it 
was because I was in front of 30 to 100 people every day and they can kind of see right through me because, you know, as the trainer, you're kind of facilitating these sessions. And I said, you know, I was saying to him, like, how do people do this? And he goes, well, mate, at the end of the day, like, most of these people are in front of computers. They can get away with it. But for me, people could read straight through me and just see that I have the same... Um, energy and excitement that I that I have been known for in this space for you know twelve to fourteen years. Yeah, absolutely. You also happen to be getting up in the very wee hours of the morning when it was very <laughs> cold and dark. <laughs> I know that doesn't work for you, but for fourteen <laughs> years, getting up at four thirty, four forty-five didn't. Um, it wasn't a problem because I, I, you know, anyone who knows me over an extended period of time knows how much I did love it. So when everyone's like, how do you get up at that time in the morning and how do you stay motivated? Well, when you're living on point and in alignment, motivation is there. It's not something yeah. you need to really cultivate. Yeah, you have your moments, but, you know, I was lucky. Motivation was there through thick and thin and you know, I think as a business owner, one of the things you do need is to be on point with passion and purpose because you're going to have those moments that are pretty hairy and if you aren't aligned and you're not really loving what you're doing, then you're going to find reasons to, you know, shut down the business or choose otherwise. So that passion, purpose and alignment always kept me on point through, you know, plenty of hairy moments. And I guess the other thing is, like you said before, like when you're in service um, with people and you're facilitating what was basically trying to drive motivation and passion and purpose for the workout or the you know goals they'd set for their health or whatever with these people if you can't hold that vibrational standard simply by being there then it's really hard for them to be able to tap into that as well because you know you are the example you are the leader in that space Absolutely. And George, honestly, you know, I, I was lucky enough to make really good friends in that space. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that really kept people coming back to six weeks was the culture that we had created. And, you know, I, I think that's a collective group, but absolutely I had to lead by example. And in that last 12 months where I wasn't my best self and I wasn't on point, the culture started to kind of change a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, that's a byproduct of me not being all heart and soul into it. So um, it really was, you know, a, a talking point and one that kept people in it and really vested was how good that culture was for the majority of the time that six weeks was up and running. Yeah. Um, what I noticed with you from like way back in the day and I don't know if you know this Blake but god it must have been I want to say 12 13 years ago maybe 13 years ago I um my flatmate at the time still my friend was um Naomi Wilson and she used to train with you like way 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 back in the day when I think you were working out of Rose Bay I want to say like somewhere on O'Sullivan Road does that sound right Yeah, that's spot on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even back in the day, I noticed how much kind of personal development lingo you would weave into your social posts. And I thought it was very kind of um, up-leveled for the masculine community at the time because there wasn't much of that happening and not in the fitness space. So... Mm. And it's obviously evolved as you've evolved, but was that something that was you were kind of brought up with, or is it something that you had to discover for yourself? No, it was, it was definitely not something um, I was brought up with. Um, and you know, anyone that kind of talks about who I was ten years ago makes me cringe a little bit. But oh. <laughs> that's all part. Of, that's all part of growing up, I guess. Um, and I've done a lot more growing up, I think, over the kind of last two to three years in particular. But um, for me, personal development just came hand hand in hand with um, personal training to a certain degree. And I also think, um, you know, I've, I've had some kind of pretty solid challenges in my childhood in terms of our family dynamic and, you know, that kind of stemmed into the 20s and, and still is a challenge now. But, you know, I've, I've grown up and got on with it. But it also gave me a sense of hope 
personal development did um, and an outlet. And that became, you know, my go-to when I was struggling. Um, and it's always been, for me, hand in hand with the personal training and um, given me an opportunity to expand. And I think, you know, with me, like, my highest value is growth. And I, I can't imagine ever standing still for too long because if I'm not growing and I'm not progressing, I kind of feel a bit dead inside. So it's always going to be there. It probably doesn't play the same role that it did um, you know, two, three, four years ago. I, I probably developed quite the attachment to personal development. And as I've said to you know, Holly, one of our mutual friends, numerous times, it's... You know, it's easy to be addicted to that because it is quite shiny mm. and it is quite fun and there's communities that come with it. There's a lot of um, attachment and addiction. And one of the big things for me over the last couple of years is, you know, as you said, I was, you know, just as known for my personal development as I was for my personal training um, to a certain degree. And I've wanted to kind of steer away from that a little bit because I found myself taking on way too much personal development and not actually integrating and implementing those learnings into my life. It was, you know, from one course and coach and mentor to the next and just this shiny object syndrome of looking at... It's so common, Blake. Yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, George, like that's, that's the exciting bit, the learnings, the integration bit. You know, when I talk about integrating, like bringing it into your life and, and really implementing it isn't as shiny and fun um and i think that's one of the reasons people jump around um you know so for me over the last couple of years i only did spiral in january last year i did vipassana in um october so almost 18 months now i've only done one course which for me you know i would have been doing probably six 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 at one point um and all the endless ebooks and the books and the courses and the coaches and i've really wound it back to trying to heighten my self-awareness which you know was really 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 poor despite all the you know personal development work i was doing it was horrific three or four years ago um and i've used that and you know journaling and and self-reflection as the biggest tool for me to be able to identify what's working for me and what's not um because up until that point i was pretty much building layers of like i want to be the tony robbins and i want to be this and i want to be that and you know building all these certain parts but not integrating and not really peeling back the layers and the blocks and the trauma and the triggers of my own Mm. to come raw real version of me yeah and i mean it's so it's so common and i guess it's part of the process of going inside is all that all that shadow that you have to dive into and it's the shadow work and people call it you know spiritual bypassing which i did for so long where like you said i would read all of the books one after another and then have no time to not only implement but integrate what i'd learned you know so I'm the same. I've really pared back from the learning side of it and just really trying to do the application part of it because that's what's going to make yep. the going to make the change. So tell us um tell us about Vipassana. I mean, I know you can't say lots and lots of details and it is a very personal experience, but I'm so fascinated by it for a few reasons, but I think the the thing that fascinates me the most is the fear that comes up in me when I think about <laughs> being silent for 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one of our mutual friends, Zoe, was the, the person who kind of steered me in that direction. Yeah. And for me, I've been very much a um, adrenaline-based kind of hyperactive, over-the-top kind of guy for most of my life. So very, any you know, anything but grounded. Um, and that's been a focus of mine for kind of the last 12 to 18 months is trying to ground myself, get in my body and, you know, like I said before, use my own internal compass to improve my self-awareness, you know, intuition, things like that, which is polar opposite to who I was three, four years ago when I was very much the kind of warrior, masculine, in his head, unconscious, trying to kind of force his way to success. Mm. So 
this is probably well no not even probably this is the first moment really in my life where stillness and silence took place like i you know prior to that there was very little time for self in terms of just being and self-reflecting and zoe obviously being quite savvy with intuition and picking up you know what what would help integrate you know the better version of me kind of alluded to the fact that it was a good idea for me to go and do it and um you know, I, to a certain degree, pride myself on facing the fear. Mm. So when everyone comes to me and goes, Blake, oh, my God, like how did you sit still <laughs> and be silent for 10 days? I can't do that. If they know me, they know that I am the exact person who is polar opposite to anything stillness and silence. Yeah. Like it just, it's not in me. So when everyone talks about how, you know, they always need to be moving and doing this, I'm like, I get you you still need to go and do it. Yeah. So, And more it, so than the people who are comfortable yeah, sitting still. On, yeah. yeah, totally. So, yeah, there's a really good kind of quote out there that if you can't meditate or don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, you need to meditate for an hour, Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the exact round kind of Vipassana. So I, you know, in transition between moving from Sydney to Melbourne, went and did it for 10 days and – a number of reasons that it jumped out at me. Like I love to be challenged. I love to do new things. Um, and I love to kind of, one, be challenged in a physical sense. But now as I look to tap into different ways of mentally strengthening myself, that is a mental strength. Very different for me doing a you know 24-hour adventure race or a 50-kilometer adventure race, which has a very strong mental component and a physical. This is just plain mental and it was the most challenging and insightful thing mm. I've ever done and I'm looking you know to line up to do it again this year because when you sit in that stillness and silence your inner wisdom just speaks volumes and so loud and so clear and the clarity on my thoughts was like nothing I've ever experienced before and you know, in all honesty, one of the things that I've kind of noticed is that to a certain degree, I haven't really trusted myself in the past. And, um, you know, there's a number of reasons for, for that taking place. But one of the reasons is because I haven't really ever been in my body. You know, I've been mm. in my head. I've been mm. flying to trust my inner compass, my intuition, my gut, my heart has been something that I've never really connected with. You know, I know when we're born, we're connected with all of it, but it was pretty quickly kind of um, you know, had me kind of moving towards my head as a safe, comfortable place as opposed to being in my body. So, yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being the most challenging thing. And that first day was excruciating, you know, for someone who doesn't sit still to go straight into 12 yes. hours of meditation. The physical side of it as well. Yeah, the sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to get back. I, I opted for a back support thing, which made a massive difference to my lower back because I had a bit of pressure there. So you can kind of get back support, but you are looking at, you know, 11 to 12, I think it's 11 hours a day of meditation. And I remember on a lunch break, because it's silent. It's not only is it silent, but you can't make eye contact with anyone. So yeah. it really is just you and your thoughts for 10 days straight. And you can't read and you can't write. Well. Oh. Or can technically you? speaking, <laughs> no, you can't. If you have a rebellious streak in you like me, you may. <laughs> so I want to fully respect the parsoner and everything that it's set out for. And I just have this streak in me that doesn't really like rules. So I chose to take in my journal. Okay. And it, for me, was the best decision mm. I ever made because I wanted to get everything out ahead onto paper. Totally. And yeah, I might have been cheating the system a little bit, but the clarity in those thoughts, I wrote 28 pages of like crystal clear, pure gold thoughts and just helped me like unlock, you know, patterns that have seen my relationships break down in the past, had me, you know, different business struggles, you know, troubles with friends, family. It just like all became so clear. And in between the breaks, you know, you'd go and do a two or three hour block of meditation at once and then you'd go back, have breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'd quickly shoot back, 
to my room and jot down everything that was in my head, go to have dinner, go back and, and get my next set of you know wisdom and learnings um, in the Vipassana. But that first day, I remember you know on the lunch break going for a bit of a walk and across the mountain, you know, you're in the Blue Mountains in Sydney, across the other side, I could see the trail where I did a 50K run a couple of years ago, an adventure race. And I remember in that moment just going, I would much prefer her to be over there running that <laughs> than going through what I'm currently going through. So if but, day one was the most challenging for you, where do you feel like you started to shift? Or did you? Was it all challenging? Oh, nah, it wa- no, it wasn't at all. So the first day, if, you, if you're looking at it on a timeline, the first day was by far the longest day of my life. And then I felt like by day two, that kind of halved and then by day three that kind of halved again mm. so because I, I just couldn't get into that really kind of dreamy state of meditation where time just goes uh, like you know I, I kept my watch on and I'd kind of open my eyes and I was like shit it's been 15 <laughs> minutes it feels like four hours like it was horrific yeah. but once you get over that stage you really start to get into um, you know these deep kind of feelings and I remember might have been day five or six, just this absolute moment of bliss where I was like, I get it. I now understand why the monks do what they do. And this feeling of bliss that is just like mm. all over my body is by far the most amazing sensation I've ever had. And I don't want to ever see anyone else again because they're <laughs> going to ruin it. Totally. So what, what's, the, what's the feeling on day 10? Is it I could stay like this forever or is it relief? Like what swept over you on that last day? It, it was, there was a sense of relief. I mean, you know, I hadn't, uh, for me, I hadn't seen my, you know, you don't see anyone, but yeah. for me most important, I hadn't seen my girlfriend for 10 days and I kind of wanted to sense of, you know, a part of me was concerned about going back into reality because um, you do find this complete, I mean, your whole nervous system has just settled. It's like it's been bubbling for, you know, for me for 35 years and all of a sudden it's just settled. Everything's in place and you are just the most authentic, grounded version of you and you don't want anything to ruffle the feathers. So um, there, was a, there was a sense of like, oh, I've made it. Then there was a sense of like, oh, I don't know which part of this real world I want to go back out and kind of mm. explore and sit with um, so it was a bit of a bit of everything and, and for me it was also like a, a sense of you know I was quite proud of the fact that I'd got through because a lot of people you know of the, the dorm that we had which was I think eight people three had gone by the time we'd finished up oh. so it does challenge a lot of people who can't see it through and to be fair you know I think the fact that I journaled really did help me get me get me through mm. I, I think I still would have got through but um you know it can kind of send you a little bit loopy and and I don't want to go against the rules but I'll quietly and subtly hint at you know people should consider a journal yeah um just don't get caught with it but it, it really did, <laughs> did you bribe your roommates how did they stay silent oh i mean they okay. are silent <laughs> yeah they went so, on to talk now this really aggravated me but i was quiet because you're in a dorm and you're kind of you've got your own cubicle but someone in my dorm told one of the teachers so on day a he comes back to me because there's no talking so this mm. is the first time someone's approached me and he's like like, I just want to be clear that you've handed in everything you need to hand in. I was like, fuck, someone's thrown me under the bus here. So after eight days, I gave my journal in. But to be honest, by that stage, you know, the, the, the thoughts and everything that I needed to take from that experience had kind of started to dry up. So I'd got yeah. it out. But yeah, That's pretty so average for someone thrown me under the bus. I, yeah, not cool. I um I remember talking to Zoe after she'd just gotten back from a Vipassana and she told me about all these amazing ideas that had come up on like day four. And I said to her, you know, I think the thing that would um, scare me the most is when I have that clarity of thought without being able to document it, 
is like remembering it on day yeah. 10 or day 11 when I get out and being able to do something with it. Like it would torture me oh. if I had this like real clarity and then didn't know what to do with it. So I would really love the opportunity to write it down. But Zoe's response was, if it's a thought that is going to be of service to you and it's something that you need, it will come back to you. She told me the same thing <laughs> and I chose otherwise. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and that would actually send me a bit spare is like, oh my God, I've just had this amazing idea. It's day four and somehow yeah. I've got to sit with it for six. Like yes. I, I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to let that go and kind of move forward with other thoughts or other you know learnings that want to come up and come out Yeah, because I'd be so fixated on trying to hold on to that thought so that I remember it for, for day 10. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I know there's a reason that they ask you not to bring anything in, um, but I feel that the value I got from, you know, sneaking a journal in and, and writing it all out was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So tell me, have you been able to find a similar feeling and a similar clarity um, after? Like on the outside? Not so much for me. Um, I mean, there's so many things now that I, like I just, the adventurous kind of part of me that always wants to try something new is, is interested in everything, plant-based medicine, breath work, float tanks, whatever it is, try something, you know, I'll try everything once. For me, a big part, and it's probably the masculine in me, is like, okay, here are the three or four real strong learnings that came from that i'm now going to go and implement and integrate them into my life and when i feel like they're really integrated i'm going to come back for my next set of learnings mm. so you know three or four um reoccurring kind of themes and thoughts that were so crystal clear in vipassana i then go well i'm going to melbourne i'm starting fresh you know i do have a bit of time on my side i really want to kind of lean into these implement integrate um, and you know where there's kind of blocks and trauma, etc. Get those aside and kind of move forward with them. So, um, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with that. As a, you know, don't take on another course or anything. Go and integrate these things that are coming from within you, mm. not external, you know, voices and forces that are trying to help you create stuff. But these deep, entrenched. Um, things that are coming from within, go and implement, integrate, and when you feel you're ready for your next set of learnings, come back. Yeah. That's kind of been my thought process around it. Yeah. Well, something I did want to talk to you about, because I think it comes up a lot with all types of personal development work, and I'm interested if it came up for you, um, is this idea of our limiting beliefs and them holding us back from what could essentially be our potential, reaching our potential. Um, and I know that you have a little bit of work that you do in the coaching space around accessing people's limiting beliefs and clearing them or releasing them. What kind of language would you use around that? Both. I tend yeah. to use, yeah. 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 So it's, I guess it's, it's about an awareness of what your story is and what your belief is and then kind of cracking through that space. Is that right? Totally. You, you nailed it. So for me, um, I guess my path with that has been um, as challenging as, as any, and I think you've got to kind of walk the steps yourself first before you decide to um, implement or, or help others. And, you know, as I've said a couple of times, I really was the most unaware, unconscious human just kind of floating around. Um, and over the last couple of years, done what I can to really heighten that awareness and self-awareness and yeah I'm a big believer that it kind of starts with heightening the awareness taking ownership and also having an understanding of how us as humans work so you know when it comes to the pillars of my um, coaching programs whether it's a coaching program or one-on-one -on -one, I'll always start there because without that ownership and awareness I think it's kind of hard to um, move forward so being the observer of your own thoughts feelings actions patterning programming those type of things 
and also starting to get clarity on what it is that you want and seeing where there's misalignment mm. is really important. So for example, if you, you know, you're looking to lose 10 kilos and that's a really strong driver for you, but yet you're making food choices, you know, on weekends or eating out that, that aren't helping, then you've got friction and you've got two forces going against each other. And that is where we start to kind of unpack it and make sense of why. And, and what I would have traditionally done and what a lot of coaches who don't think do is, you know, finger pointing. Oh, you don't have enough willpower. You don't have enough, mm. you know, motivation. You're, you're a procrastinator. On the surface, kind of, it, it isn't that, too, you know, it isn't too far from the truth. But on a deeper level and a deeper understanding, it's never about the motivation, the procrastination, the willpower, you know, those type of things. It's always something deeper. So when someone works with me, the last thing I want to do is be that coach who's like, oh, you need to toughen up. You need more work. Like all I'm doing is shoving the guilt and shame and the judgment further down their throat mm. that they've got because they aren't staying in alignment with their goal. And all I'm probably going to do is create disconnection where they're like, oh, shit, I haven't done my, my homework again. Um, and Blake's going to tell me off. Like, that does, we don't achieve anything with that. So my big thing around being the observer of your own actions, thoughts, beliefs, patterning is look at it with interest and curiosity instead of judgment, guilt, shame, whatever it may be. Mm. And, you know, on the surface, people go, oh, so you're letting them off the hook. And it's like, well, no, if you think about it properly, I'm actually holding them heaps more accountable. I'm holding them compassionately accountable because we are going to stay with that habit, belief, pattern program until we've got to the bottom of it, till we've got to the root cause and we've cleared it. Whereas the old approach is like, oh, you're holding them accountable by telling them off. Well, not really because you tell them off, they develop more guilt, shame, and then they go back with no sense of, understanding of self and you know we'll probably come back and, and tell you a lie next time so mm. it's actually a different form of compassionate accountability where we're like nah we're staying here and i'm not telling you off i'm not telling you've done wrong i'm holding you accountable from a compassionate place until we've cleared this problem yeah and from that space we can start to rebuild your level of worth and deservingness of what it is you're trying to create rather than shut you down for it Yep, yeah, spot on. I think that's gold. I, um, I've thought a lot, I've been thinking a lot about limiting beliefs in terms of, you know, manifestation lately, like, you know, what it is that you want to create, which is essentially what you're doing when you're coaching someone to reach a goal. Um, and I, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about, cause I've, I'm a little bit obsessed with, um, crime shows Blake like they're my yeah. <laughs> they're my guilty pleasure and I've been watching yep. a lot lately that have con men in them you know like someone where where the mm. whole story is about the con and basically what happens when you're being conned by a con man is that they're building a reality for you for you to see mm. and setting up parameters of what you think is the reality Right. And I've I've started to realize that that's what we do with ourselves when we're trying to create something in the future is we only see what's in front of us. And that can be a con that's been implemented by our own story or our own belief of what is possible. So it's like you can only create what you can what you can see and what you imagine is in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, so totally. And to take it a step further, you're actually only going, for most of us, uh, um, you know, not, not you, George, because you're on a different page, but for most <laughs> of us, we're only going to create what we've already created. Yes. Because we create what's familiar. So if you want to create something new, you're going to have to change the story. And for most people, they'll never do that. And that's why change is hard because the way that our bodies are set up is, you know, homeostasis in terms of balance wants us to just do what's familiar. So whenever you do something that's outside of that, your body's 
you know, to a certain degree is going, hang on, hang on, hang on, come back to homeostasis, don't stress out our system for a change. And it has these ways of, you know, telling you um, about your beliefs, your patterning, your programming, you know, finding ways to self-sabotage your success because it wants to bring you into what it knows as familiar mm. and what it can kind of sit as, you know, the homeostasis, the comfortable place, as opposed to creating change, which is bad for you, but your brain doesn't like, your, your brain's not really interested in that. It's kind of more interested in what's familiar, what's safe, um, and what's comfortable. So to create something new going forward, you need to challenge the story that you're already telling yourself. Mm. And do you think that the coat like coaching helps with that because you're getting a perspective that's outside of yourself like is that what you feel your role is a 100 percent, and they know that and i say it pretty early on is most people in in their initial stages like when they leave coaching with me i want them to have the tools where they can question themselves and feel empowered they don't always have to go to a coach but you know i've said this to a number of mates and even you know girlfriends and and um um, you know, family even over the years is they're like, so why don't you ask your friends for advice? And I kind of come back to a couple of friends I ask for advice, but not many. And there's a number of reasons for that. But a big part of that is when you're asking people for advice, you're often going to get um, conditioned advice. So mm. you need to be able to ask someone for advice that doesn't have any attachment to you. So, for example, if, you know, let's say you start date, you know, I don't even know your relationship status, so we probably don't need to talk about it now, but let's say that you start dating and you ask your best it's undetermined, friend. undetermined, Blake. <laughs> you ask your best friend what, you know, he or she thinks. If there's any kind of conditioning around there in terms of she's worried about losing you as a best friend or, mm. you know, you're not going to spend the same amount of quality time, then her decision-making and how she plays that out is already going to be altered. So for me, when I'm asking for someone's advice, I don't want it to be conditional, e.g., if you do what's best for you, well, it's actually having a negative impact on me or our friendship. I don't want it to be you know, just a case of opinions, jumping, well, here's my trauma and my baggage. I'm just going to pass it on to you when you totally. ask for your opinion. Yeah. And then I want it to be this neutral space. And to be honest, the best coaches don't necessarily give me their opinion. They're asking me the right questions which have me mm. thinking beyond my current way of thinking and questioning my beliefs. Yeah. So that's, for me, the type of people that I choose to seek out when I'm looking for advice. Um, and I think a really challenging one for a lot of people is um, asking your parents for advice because you are, your bi- you are a byproduct of your parents. You know, 95% of who we are is unconscious and most of that's created in the imprint period, so from zero to seven years. And the biggest influence in that period is your parents. So while you ask your parents for advice, you know, respectfully, they're the ones that kind of got you in this shit in the first place because you're <laughs> carried most of who they are. So again, yeah. you know, in, and it's fair, they're role models, they've got 20, 30, 40 years on us, so you can understand why they could be deemed a good role model, but the, the mess that we've got ourselves in without you know taking away from the fact it's ours to own is often part of you know creation in, in that first seven years. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and also their their um, need to self correct through you. You know? Yeah. I made this yeah. I made this mistake, so don't you make it. Can you fix it for yeah. me? <laughs> no, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Yeah, so, 100%. is there a particular area that you really enjoy coaching people in? Like, what is there like a sort of something that you've kind of fallen into, perhaps naturally, or perhaps it was um, a path that you wanted to take with the personal development coaching? Is there like a specialty for you? Well, it's you know, I'm, at, at this point, I'm I'm loving. The, the people that I'm I'm drawing in, you know, I, I I'm lucky that from a coaching point of view, I, I don't um, attract people who are just there to vent and to rant and to have another kind of set of ears that they can just dump on. Mm. I really am attracting, you know, in a, in a very fortunate way, people who are willing to do the work, who take pretty good ownership, um, and I think 
you know, for a lot of people, it's a level of fulfillment that they're, that they're looking for um, and also looking to have more success in more areas. So the way that I see most of our society and limiting beliefs that our society has is that you can't have it all. And it's either this or it's that. A lot of people come to me and go and want to kind of challenge that way of thinking and challenge the social condition and go, you know what? My career and my relationship are good, but I'm struggling here. Because how you do one thing is how you do all. And there's going to be limiting beliefs and patterning and programming that don't just affect, you know, your body composition, but actually affect your relationship as well. So when we are finding this kind of, you know, what I call blind spots, these limiting beliefs and patterning that these guys can't see, but they know something is stopping them from having success, then it often filters through different areas of their um, their life. So, you know, in terms of my niche, you know, there, there's um, a lot of interest in kind of me working exclusively with men. But I think the nature of, you know, my 15 years um, in the personal training space and um, I guess anyone, who, again, who knows me well knows that I have a lot of um, female friends. It's kind of a bit of everything at the moment and I love just connecting with, you know, people and helping them have more success and, and overcome what's blocking them. So, um, you know, I'm lucky that I'm enjoying everything that I'm attracting at the moment. Yeah, beautiful. So where, um, if people want to find out more about your coaching programs, I know you're about to start a new round of your 12, is it 12 week program? Yep. Where, yep. where would they find more information about that? So um, a lot of the chat that I kind of do, um, happens through Instagram and I'm a big believer that you want to make sure it's a good fit for both so and you know when working with clients I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for them which is obviously the most important thing and vice versa that that, I, that they're a good fit for me so to kind of get a feel for the way I go about things Instagram's a good touch point so just my name Blakewell Thompson there and then the website um, blakewellthompson.com are the two um best avenues to kind of get a feel for how I go about things. Beautiful. And tell me, the 12-week program, it is, uh, what are you doing for 12 weeks? What are you, what's, what's, what's the hap? What's the hap? So <laughs> that it, it's um, a mix of small group training or small group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it's ah. a mix of, you know, as I said before, group calls and then every few weeks we have a one-on-one -on -one call to kind of, um, knuckle down on, on the things that are individually blocking them but it really is a case of giving them an understanding of self a better awareness um, you know ownership as I kind of said earlier then understanding um, the blocks how we clear those and then giving them their own toolkit that they can go out into the world and feel kind of empowered that any block trauma trigger that comes up they know how to move through that and move forward so um, it's a really cool kind of program and I do feel that you know post the 12 weeks these guys have a, a, an amazing toolkit and understanding of how they work as a human and, and when blocks come up how to deal with them and really you know for me self-mastery is more empowering than anything um, and when you start to gain a, a better understanding of self and how to navigate through that you all of a sudden kind of have an opportunity to scale up your world pretty quickly mm. so yeah it's a pretty cool program that I'm, I'm i'm pretty proud of and constantly evolving it and, and tweaking it to make it um even more impactful awesome well i know that holly's done it or is doing it has she done it she's done she's into week 11 oh okay she's loving it she raves awesome. about it all the time and how transformational it's been for her. So that's that's some good honest feedback. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes for it because it kicks off in two weeks, did you say? Yep, two weeks' time. Awesome. So good. Well, Blake, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And Thanks um, for me, nice to not have you screaming at me to do more burpees. <laughs> yeah, I can see how this is slightly nicer occasion for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> A 
have you caught this week's episode of The Middle with my beautiful co-host Holly as a party. If you haven't, this week we're chatting about conscious relationships. Yeah, we're talking about whether or not opposites attract, whether or not you need a spiritual partner if you're on your own spiritual journey. We also talk about Game of Thrones because I freaking love that show. And Holly guides us through her experience with breath work. If you don't know what that is, you're going to love this episode. Here is a little sneak peek. Like we're so opposite. Trent doesn't even use social media. Like I'm telling you, George, his last post was about six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What is that? Like I'm up at him all the time. I'm like, babe, you didn't even acknowledge our wedding on Facebook or Instagram. What the fuck? Did it even happen? <laughs> it, if it wasn't posted about, especially the Leo in me who loves to be praised and adored publicly, it's something I'm working on. Blake tells me that that's a spiritual cop out. I'm really working on it. Oh, wow. Um, Keeping it real, Blake. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's really like he tells me what I fucking need to hear, not what I want to hear. Um, also hard to swallow. But yeah, it's been um, to be honest, the last year for Trenny and I, our year of marriage has been the most I'm gonna use the word challenging in our entire relationship. Uh and I, I really wanted to kind of open this discussion around conscious relationship and around opposites attracting because I get asked it all the time, George, uh, how did Trent and I work when Trent isn't in the work? And I say that with inverted commas. Um, and it's something that, to be honest, I, uh, we have been, I should say, as a couple really navigating that space of the last 18 months for me have been my biggest months of growth at a personal level and at a soul level in not just our entire relationship, but in my entire life. And I look at our video from our wedding and the woman walking down the aisle to Trent and the woman I am today are very different women. That's so interesting, you know, and I've thought about it often because I, I think like, I think back to my high school sweetheart, like if we, had stayed together and we were so madly in love but if we had stayed together oh my god like I can't even imagine because we're both entirely different human beings so it's always fascinated me and I have quite a few friends that are very similar to you in that they've been with their partner since since high school pretty much yeah yeah is how do you evolve and grow together And at what point, like what parts of the relationship is it okay to grow apart and what parts of the relationship is it really important that you're growing at the same speed or at least in alignment? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 